For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Hey guys, this is Will. Uh, quick heads up for you, listen, this is part two of the podcast with Titans Film Room, so if you missed part one, go ahead and listen to that. Otherwise, enjoy. On the topic of like wide receivers and fits and stuff, it's it's interesting because I put Denzel Mims in a mock draft of the Titans the other day, and people were not receptive. They, they do not want Denzel Mims, and I think part of that is because he doesn't have the same you know name value as a lot of other guys, but you know, some people say he's stiff on the boundary, but you know, when you're that big, you do you are a little stiff, but it's fine as long as you come down with catches. I, I don't really want to talk about that too much because I think you covered also, it well. Let but, me just say he has multiple 1,000 yard seasons, which yeah, which John Robinson uh, loves. Yeah, if if you know uh, anything about our podcast, it's, it's, I spend a lot of time doing conspiracy theories, and uh, Matthias will every now and then just like have these like brilliant like revelations that are just absolutely true whether it's like him predicting the future like cody sensible picking off the titans oh, uh no. when they play like like yes the, like the day before it happened and then like he also was the one who said that uh john robinson's never drafted a wide receiver that hasn't had multiple thousand yard seasons which is 100 percent true. true like they, they've all done it so it, that, that is super interesting um so that that's something to consider, but he has been super productive. And for whatever reason, I guess, cause the Baylor system has produced so many, like, you know, Katie cannon or whatever, all those guys were Kendall who, Wright. Yeah. I, I don't remember him. <laughs> Corey Coleman. <laughs> yeah. All those, all those fun superstar receivers. Corey that Coleman just, broke my heart. That was the, like the worst receiver I, class I was, I was that like, everyone wow. convinced themselves was good. Yeah, like three went in the first trade. round, and all of them, to a degree, are not good. I mean, Fuller's okay, but he's always yeah. hurt. Yeah, I have like, a Browns Corey Coleman jersey hanging in my closet. Wow, oh, shout no out. way! That like I thought he was like Steve Smith. Like he was so aggressive in the air, and then he would just like stare down defenders after he caught it. I was like, oh, mm-hmm. it's like this guy's got you know. You talk about the attitude, the diva. Like I'm wide receiver one. Like he had it. I, I don't uh-huh. know what happened, to him, but. Man, like I, I would watch him play, and I was just like, "God, like I, I mean, I wish he would fall around too, but there's no way." And of course, he didn't. But you know, that, they dodged that bullet, and they got the better of that trade in the end. And it was kind of the first of John Robinson's series of drafts where you're like, "That's kind of a weird pick," and then you look back and you're like, "Oh no, it makes total sense. It was the right pick." Justin, um, how, are you, how are you a Titans fan? Like, how did how did that happen? <laughs> um. That's a great question. I was born and raised in Dallas, Texas. Um, I was born in 92, so when the Titans moved to Nashville, or when the Oilers moved to Memphis, I guess, I was seven. No, I was five. And then when they when the Titans became the Titans, I was seven. So I was just like a little kid, you know, running around my house watching football, and for some reason I became obsessed with Eddie George, and I would just run around pretending to be Eddie George. And uh, so when the Oilers moved to moved to nashville i thought it'd be cool to like be with a team from the very beginning and i already loved eddie george so i like just became a titans fan and i'm uh 
I've never looked back. I don't know. Uh, real quick, uh, while we're talking about wide receivers, I don't know if we're going to shift topics, but I asked them before the podcast, do we think that Justin Jefferson is this year's A.J. Brown? Like, a guy that's not necessarily mentioned with the top guys, you know, although Brown did get a lot of that last year. It was just a, like a muddled group at the bottom. But, I mean, I feel like he's got the yards after the catch. I feel like he's got the – he only plays in the slot, so we're going to push him down even though all of his testing says he could play on the outside. He's got the production. Like, where, what do you think about him? I like Justin Jefferson. I think he's underrated. He does seem to be a mostly yak guy whereas i think aj brown was more well-rounded who just also could do a lot after the catch but i don't think that takes away from what justin jefferson does and uh i mean if if the titans are if he's a guy that's potential fit for the titans i i do think they'd look at him to be a slot receiver so um i mean i guess he could probably play on the outside the way aj brown moved to the outside and he would have the 2020 season to get acclimated and everything so i think it would be an interesting play I'd, i'd be on board for that uh, since we're hitting pretty much all the needs uh, that the Titans have, uh, Edge is still one of them, I think. I, I think most fans feel that way, uh, unless they get Clowney, which would change everything. But right now, they don't have Clowney or Everson Griffin, so we have to act as if it still is a big need. Uh, who are some of your favorites in this draft, and who do you think fits best? Because bringing in Beasley, him and Landry are kind of similar in that they're bendy you know, speed rushers. Uh, do you think it'd be smarter for them to go after someone like Eater Gross Matos if he's available, or or someone like AJ Epinesa who kind of like he could play on the interior, he could play in a three-four defensive end role. He doesn't have to play specifically on the edge. Uh, do you think they'll probably target one of those guys if they don't bring in another free agent? So uh, Clowney is a Titan. Just let's get that out of the way. Um, <laughs> okay, just kidding. breaking. <laughs> Foresight. What, football four one one. Is that you? <laughs> yeah, the football four. We got inked Shane up. Inked up Seahawks. Yes. That Seahawks Shane told me that Clowney is signing his contract with the Titans like two Mondays ago. So it's 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 happening. <laughs> there uh, were the plots. Um, no, but uh, some edge of the guys. I mean, I like the guys you mentioned. Epinesa is a guy that could definitely move inside, and I think the Titans, Mike Vrabel especially, would love the versatility to be able to move him around. But my, well, the guy I think is probably my favorite right now is Zach Bond out of Wisconsin. He's um, he's he's a little bit more versatile too. I think he's good at he he's a guy when I watch drop into space. I think is is more comfortable, and more natural playing that position than most outside linebackers you scout. And that's why I think he'd fit well with the Titans because the Titans ask their outside linebackers to drop into space and play in the flats and play over uh, in the shallow middle in coverage a lot. And that's a different type of versatility. I don't think he would be able to play inside. But if they did end up getting a player like Clowney, Clowney is a guy that likes to move into the three-tech role on passing downs. So that would really be your Jarrell Casey replacement, who was mostly a three-tech for the Titans. I mean, obviously, he lined up all over. and He lined up at, at the edge, too. But you move Clowney to the inside, and then Bond's a guy that can rush on the outside and form a rotation with Beasley and Landry. And, you know, Beasley's only on a one-year deal. So if he's only here for 2020... Then you get Bond a year uh, in the rotation before he takes over as like a, a starter on the outside. I think that Bond is a guy that can work. I really like um, the way that he gets after the passer. He's explosive off the ball, uses his hands really well. He's got a, a good dip move similar to Landry's move. 
and uh, he just uses his hands to get by tackles. And he's a guy that he's a high effort, high motor player that I think would be a really good fit with the Titans defense. Yeah, he's got some of that, like, and I don't know if it's just a uniform or what, but he just reminds me of the TJ Watt, Vince Beagle yeah. guy. Yeah, like those guys where you watch them on the outside and you're like, that's got to work at the next level. And he tested like it. You know, he had a really good three cone. I think he was the only sub, uh, sub seven three cone guy who had, you know, the resume behind it and the stats. But it, I want to go back to what you said about Clowney replacing Jarrell Casey. What what do we think about Gerald Casey? So like just on a 2019 film standpoint with his age and money, I personally, and I'll say this first, I personally think that Jeffrey Simmons played better than Casey. I think he was more disruptive when he was on the field. I think he stalled out a lot less than Casey did. And that that is not the general consensus with Titans fans. And I don't know how many Titans fans spend a lot of time, you know, watching the trenches, especially the defense tackles versus the guards. But to me, I don't think that trading Casey was just about cap to make a move for Clowney. I think it was a move as a vote of confidence for what Simmons can do. I think it also said, you know, if we get Clowney, we can do that, you know, play more of a Derek Morgan, not, I mean, a base type edge, you know, a strong side edge, if you want to call him that, who, you know, I think he deals primarily with right tackles. And I want to say Landry lines up mostly against left tackles. So, the defensive right, defensive left side. But um, I think that trying to put this all together in one cohesive uh, question, do you think that the Titans need to address the whole left behind by Casey? Or do you think they're going to make a move to say, you know, Simmons is going to be the three tech on base downs. And then when they go nickel sub package, they're going to move in somebody like an AJ Epinesa or Genevieve Clowney or, uh, Lynch from Baylor, Davidson, one of those, you know, bigger kind of strong side edges inside the three technique. And that's how they want to play it. Is, is that what you think? Or do you have a different take? Yeah. To touch on some of the stuff you said there about Casey, I think um, in terms of it being like a, a salary move, I know we, we kind of talked about it being like clearing space to make another move, but it could have been clearing space, not necessarily clearing space, but like it doesn't have to be a move for another move to still be a salary move in terms of what I mean that is John Robinson is a guy who's always placed a value on his players, right? And there is a certain threshold that he won't really cross um, for a player who doesn't think that they meet that value. And I think that this could have been a case where, like you said, Casey was, you know, he wasn't really the same guy we've seen for nine years in Titans uniform. And I think that that, that maybe uh, it was a uh, time to to look at his contract and say, you know, this this guy isn't meeting the standard for the amount that he's getting paid. And at that point, John Robinson's looking to pro- to possibly lower it, work out a uh, a restructure or something. If that's not an option, then the guy gets traded. I don't know if that was an option because Casey appeared to be blindsided by this move uh, based on his Instagram post. But anyway, the point is, you know, if he's a guy that, that Robinson feels isn't playing up to the value of his contract, then he might have to make a move there. So even if there wasn't another move. And I do agree with what you said there about KC decline. He he was really good in the playoffs, and I think that that is a guy who waited a long time. Obviously, 2017, but it was a, this was a different roster this this year that had actually had a chance going to the AFC Championship game. I think that you know a guy like KC who's been in the league a long time waiting for this can get up for that, and and his play in the playoffs was elevated. But 
I think what we saw in the regular season is the guy you would expect to see more of next year, if not an even worse version, as he's another year older. So in terms of replacing him, I think it's, like you said, Simmons can can kind of play around on the inside just like Casey did. So I think it's more about replacing the role of like a pass rushing three tech, which, by the way, Rashawn Evans can do that. It doesn't have to be a bigger guy that, that moves inside. Um, so I think there's a lot of options. Isaiah Mack is another guy already on the roster that I think might get some more opportunities. So I think, you know, they have options there. They don't necessarily need to go get someone in the first round, like Epinesa or Marlon Davidson or whoever it be, And which is why I still tend to think, based on the way the roster is and the fact that Clowney is still out there and there are a lot of rumors. And, I mean, the fact that John Robinson and Mike Brabel talked about Clowney at all, to me, is a thing that, you know, sends off a little signal, like, Usually it was those... so weird, right? Like the whole Vrabel saying when I when I coached him, he was always so prepared. That stood out to me too, where it was just like this is such a weird, out of character move. Like a guy could have right. a compound fracture on the field, and Vrabel would say they're still checking him out. Like it, yeah. for him to go out and say, you know, yeah, you know, for Robinson, it wasn't a slip up. Robinson said, yeah, we've contacted him, touch base, and then in a separate press conference, Vrabel said. You know, yeah, you know, Clowney was great when I, you know, stuck stuck his neck out for him, basically. It's so strange yeah, for a and, team and, that didn't already have him under contract. And that's the topic I, I want to end with with you, Justin, is is the Clowney stuff. You, you're someone that obviously is pro-Clowney coming to the Titans. The three of us honestly haven't been able to make up our minds as to whether that makes sense or not. So why is it that you are so in favor of that? Okay, um, number one for the for the fun of it, <laughs> I'll be honest. <laughs> Getting in uh, up with the hype is fun, but honestly, I do think that the hype is warranted for a player like Clowney. Because, so my last thing I wanted to say about Robinson and Vrabel is that the thing they usually the go to move is we only talk about the players that are on this roster. We're only gonna we'll coach the guys that are on the team. We won't worry about the guys that aren't on the team. So exactly again, the fact that they. The fact that they mentioned it at all is pretty pretty wild. Um, but Clowney's value, I know that the sack production is the thing that everyone points to. is like, this guy isn't productive enough to be paid. Uh, reportedly, he's lowered his number to 17 million. His asking price is 17 million, down from oh. when he was looking for 20 million. But I don't know if you guys saw the tweet um, earlier on Tuesday. Dilla, this guy E. Dilla, who's like... Yeah. A, He's Jaguars. a Jags guy, yeah. but he's broken some news and like uh, <laughs> Benjamin Albright, whatever you think of Ben Albright has vouched for Dilla's sources in the past. So like there's a little bit of, I think there's legitimacy here. He tweeted out today a picture of what looked like an offer sheet for Clowney where they so really bizarre. were, which is crazy. Like I've never seen that before where he's like, the, you know, here it is. Like for everybody that said it was fake, here's the exact terms on the sheet of paper. Like, I, that was so strange to me. Wasn't it like twelve I mean, million I, or something like that? Yeah. Well, the I think the it was eleven and a half a or it was twenty seven million for two years and an eleven and a half million dollar signing bonus or something like that. Right. Um, and I think that I mean somebody could like type that up and print it out and write on it and take a picture of it, right? But why? I mean, is, are people going through that trouble? <laughs> so yeah, it, it seems seemed, like a lot to go, especially when somebody's already called you up for line to say, "No, look, here it is on paper." Right. And 17 million a year. Maybe that's too much for a guy who only put up three sacks in 2019. But I do think that situation is important. And I do think that sack production, like a lot of times 
production, like we make excuses for players who don't have production all the time. Like we did with Marcus Mariota, we do with Corey Davis. We everyone does it with players that don't have production. They look for excuses, and at the end of the day, an AJ Brown comes along, and it doesn't matter if your team doesn't pass a lot, and it doesn't matter who the quarterback is. You know, good players produce, right? And I do. I think that isn't ultimately something you can rely on, but there are a few exceptions, and I think Clowney with the three sacks thing is an exception because on top of the three sacks, you know, you're looking at a player who provides so much value in the run game. And I know it's a passing league and you're paying for his pass rush more than you, than you pay for the run defense, but Clowney's run defense is a different kind of run defense. You know, it's not like a stop him at the line for one or two yard gain. And now it's second and eight. It's like every few drives, he has a play in the backfield blowing up the play for a four or five yard loss. That kind of impact can can kill a team's drive. If you look at the last four years, from 2016 to 2019, Clowney has 60 tackles for loss, which is fourth in the NFL. He was uh, second overall in 2017 with tackles for loss. This is a guy with 21. This is a guy that can that can really affect games by getting in the backfield and halting drives, putting offenses behind the sticks. And on top of that, when it does come to pass rush, because ultimately that's what you're looking for, the Seahawks lined up Clowney pretty much solely as a 4-3 defensive end because that was the, what the scheme they ran there. And, um, you know, even though he has the prototypical size and athleticism for a 4-3 defensive end at 6'5", 260, I think, he's a guy that Mike Vrabel, as the defensive coordinator for Houston in 2017, used Clowney a lot differently than that. And Mike Vrabel is presumably, we think, going to be the defensive coordinator for the Titans, so we can kind of assume how Clowney would be used if he was here um, because of Vrabel's role. And we can look at how he was used in 2017, his most productive season uh, in the NFL in his, in his career. So, you know, a guy that moves around from left to right, you mentioned that he lines up over the, the I think you said, I'm not even sure which one you said, but honestly, I think that he lines up on both sides of the ball pretty evenly. He lines up in the middle. He'll line up over center, over any of the guards. Clowney had the freedom when Mike Variable coached him to kind of pick his matchups on third downs. He'd kind of roam around the offensive line, settle in, tap his teammate on the shoulder to say, hey, I'm rushing on your inside here to let him know not to not to crash the same way. And Clowney would get to just go one-on-one with whichever guard, hmm. whichever weak link that he wanted to go against. And, you know, we saw, we've seen guys like do this to the, we've seen teams do this to the Titans, like Calais Campbell lining up with Nate Davis or Jameel Douglas or whoever's in there on purpose to get a huge matchup advantage. That's the kind of thing you can do with Clowney. And the last thing I want to say about it, the thing that really excites me, the Mike Vrabel connection, obviously, you know, all the, Clowney crediting with crediting Vrabel with the guy who unlocked him and getting his hit him to help him reach a ceiling. I do think that Clowney has more value to the the Titans would Clowney in a Titans uniform would be a better player than Clowney in any other uniform. And I hope Clowney realizes that. But I think it's true. This is the Titans chance to get a player of this caliber. You know, you the the athleticism and obviously it's all potential, but Mike Vrabel's a guy who's shown he can get that potential out of this specific player. And so what I want to say is num- a guy who's a number one overall pick in the draft athletic profile, truly elite athletic talent. The Titans have never had a guy like Clowney ever. I mean, they've never been, I mean, maybe Javon Curse, right? But I think Clowney is more of an athletic freak. So the chance to acquire a player like that doesn't come around a lot unless your team is really bad or you make a really good trade to a team that's really bad. You know, you have to have a pick in the top five, top three of the draft to get a player like this. And so the sack production is what it is, but I meant to say that the pass rush, you know, Clowney's a guy who was second in double team rate in 2019, 
and seventh in pass rush win rate, which includes all the times he was double teamed. So that's in the entire NFL. So, you know, I think he is more productive than the sack numbers say. Tackles for loss says it. And how often can you can you pass on a chance to get a guy who could truly be like a who can make game changing play? The Titans don't have a, a player on defense. Kevin Byard is the closest thing they have. Maybe Simmons can become this. Who can change the entire outcome of a game with one play on defense? A, a huge strip sack that turns into a touchdown or something like that. That's that's a valuable piece to have, and Clowney could be that piece. I think you sold me. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that is a Same. great point. You hear that, yeah. Clowney? Better sign. <laughs> that's right. Uh, Justin, thank you so much for the time. Uh, glad we could finally get you on, and, and we really appreciate you hopping on with us. All right, thank you guys. I had fun. I always enjoy talking about the Titans, so hopefully we can do it again. Okay, let, let's wrap up with Stop the Nonsense. And, and, and you know, this was a week, guys, where it was not – hard to find stop the nonsense uh material and still as i sit here i am struggling between two to to pick which one i want um i'll I'll just give the names do we go peter king or do we go dave gettleman or no not dave gettleman the steelers gm oh uh tolbert is that his my like Crazy, Maybe. or is it is his name Tolbert? Maybe. <laughs> let's, let's, Colbert. Let's see. Colbert. Colbert. With a C. With yeah. A C. Oh, Ke- yeah. Kevin Colbert. Not, not the super fat running back. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with Kevin Colbert. <laughs> Although, uh, Peter King going on Rich Eisen and saying that the Dolphins should trade four first-round picks for Joe Burrow was – that was crazy. All right. Everybody's <laughs> stupid in that situation. But, uh, yes. Uh, report. Steelers general manager Kevin Colbert proposed adding three more rounds to this year's NFL draft as it would, quote, widen a club's margin for error. So, you're saying that by giving every team three extra players that they're going to have to cut in the middle of August, that's going to help ease the problems with a remote draft. Because three extra rounds means 90 more players at least getting selected. Really, 96 players getting selected. Having a 10th round doesn't... How does does that fix anything? I I mean, so here's... the, The only equivalent I can think of is... If they did that, by the way, it would just be admitting that they should not have the draft at all by giving that, that sort of contingency. Because it's like saying, OK, we think you're you know, in a room with no lights and we're trying to tell you to hit a target. But to help you, we'll give you more bullets. It's like that, that's not the solution to this problem. Like <laughs> yes. If you truly mm-hmm. think the problem is that the teams don't have time to gather the information they need to do, like gather, then the answer is like, well, we'll just give you more picks. It's like, no, like that's not how this works. You need to push it back or make some other adjustment, but I, I'm with you. That I like, mean, like and, the, and the, I, so, the solution would be like everybody gets two second round picks, but even then, like, still, all you're really doing is adding a round, right? It's the same effect. Yeah, yeah. It's like you're, you're the same thing is essentially happening. It's just all you're doing is diluting the teams that dra- that made trades for like third and fourth round picks and all Exa- that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean it's. 
it's super tough um, because like there there is no like real answer to it. Um, but uh, you know, I think the draft's going to go on, so we'll just see what happens. We've already said the change that we would make to it. Um, I'll go ahead and do my stop the nonsense next. Uh, so it's going to be focal. Uh, the focus point is uh, Blake Bettingfield, but it's not just him. Yes. Like I've seen this a bunch of different <laughs> places, but I want to talk about this specifically. Uh, there's all this talk about a virtual draft and, you know, trades, you know, not being possible or anything like that. Uh, his specific tweet was trades on day three will be much tougher with the short, with the shorter time trades will need to be lined up ahead of time. Trades for veteran players will be virtually impossible without updated injury information. So on the surface, that seems true. Well, I was about to say, what's wrong with that? Well, because here's the problem is, if that were true, if you if these teams were so committed to, we won't make a move for anybody if they possibly would be injured, the then free agency wouldn't have happened. Everybody well, yeah. would have stood still. Nobody would have signed because that's not all you need apparently for ninety nine percent of players, except for the three or four whose contracts have just not you know happened. All you need is for a doctor to give you you know. A, just a clean bill of health or, you know, whatever problem you have for them to say, no, it's an issue. Here's an x-ray of that. Or here, here's an MRI of that, whatever. Like that, that's why the combine is so important is because you get all these medicals. Like so many of these players, medicals have already checked out. So if you, if you get something from the combine that says co the defensive end from Auburn, who's a day three pick, if he's there in the middle of the fourth round and you're in love with him, you don't need a, a physical of him right now to trade for him. And likewise, if you're, you know, if you're talking to, let's let's say, because uh, I've talked about this before with y'all, uh, Alshon Jeffrey, like the Eagles want to trade him. If you're the Titans and you want to say, like, let's say, you're, okay, there's, you know, we've gotten an edge that we really like. We've gotten a corner that we really like. And there was some other value that fell to us that we just couldn't pass on. But we didn't get a wide receiver and we won't one. All you have to do is say, okay, we're going to give you a 2021 conditional uh, fourth-round pick or whatever and say the condition is, you know, if he doesn't pass this physical, no harm, no foul. You know, you get your guy back. You know, we, we messed up, whatever. But you can also say, but the incentive for you is that if we – keep him and we sign him to an extension after the season or whatever, then that becomes a third round pick. And so now you've got teams motivated to make uncertain moves and you've got a guy who, if you like him right now and you think they might be on the trade block, you can call his agent and have him have a physical like that. That can happen today. Like it, it, you know, it doesn't have to be, it's not virtually impossible. The veterans don't just all of a sudden become like become tradable. Like, Trades don't happen that way. And, and I guess he's been in the front office, so theoretically he would know. But he's also the guy that said that A.J. Brown was going to be a rotational part-time player and may not be active for the Titans. So don't don't necessarily well, take his the, word as gospel. The, the defense of that was he meant, like, active in the – you know, he's not going to get many targets. He's not going to be active. Yeah, but he, what he actually said was he would be he would have to be a scratch for some games. A healthy scratch, I believe, is the exact quote. So, I mean, he may say that. He's also the guy that when A.J. Brown had a 90-yard touchdown or whatever, he was like, look at him flinch off the line of scrimmage. Uh, like, it just it, 
He it's was all, also it, the I head of the that. scouting department that had the Titans 2015 NFL draft. Uh, and also was notorious for being the leakiest front office in the NFL. So, like, I mean, people <laughs> knew that's why, you know, other than the Giants. But, like, you know, it was one of those things where it was like, it's funny how when Robinson came in and Bettingfield left, everything got a lot tighter lipped and people seemed to not know what we were doing for some reason. But, I mean, whatever. Like, that, that's that's not what I'm here to argue about. I'm just saying don't the, the nonsense behind this is people making these sweeping statements that say there's going to be more trades or there's going to be less trades. Nobody has any idea. Like, we've never been in a situation like this before. Don't make these sweeping statements. We'll just see what happens. So for my stop, the nonsense, the NFL, no, for the Pro Football Hall of Fame came out with the all-decade team for the 2010s. And uh, I have a couple gripes with it. One, Brad Curran should be on there instead of Johnny Hecker, who's only famous because of his cool passes that somehow get complete sometimes because Sean McVay is very, very risque, although he's really not. Anyway, that's one of them. Another one, they... They had cornerbacks and safeties on there. I I don't know why Eric Berry's on there. Sorry to all the volunteer fans, but come on, man. He had a a couple good seasons in the early 2010s. Then, of course, the Mm -hmm. cancer happened, but he has not been good for several, several years. I don't know why he's there. And then they created created another defensive back slot to to slot in the Honey Badger because you got to put him in there, right, you know, because of the name. That was, on, yeah. So weird. So weird. I don't know. I don't know. And Chris Harris is on there as if it's like a versatile flex position, which well, they did add on Chris Harris. Chris Harris is an all-decade player. Absolutely. I agree. Right there with Harry I, I agree. But <laughs> all right. <laughs> I, I don't. Well, the one I didn't get was Darren Sproles or Travis Kelsey. Oh. I was getting to that. Well, Kelsey, I understand because he's a monster. That he's had like what four straight one thousand yard seasons. Jimmy Although Graham, Jimmy I would have put Jimmy yeah. Graham ahead of him. I was about to say that, yeah, but I did want to touch on that Darren Sproles thing. What is that? Why are you creating a flex position to put in Darren Sproles of all people? I mean, I like him. He's had an awesome career, but but, but why his, his success wasn't really this decade. I know he was. Know. He was super good in 2011. But is that... he is is he better than Christian McCaffrey? Like, no, I mean, like McCaffrey in terms of or David Johnson in terms of not Texans David Johnson Cardinals David Johnson. Uh, like in terms of it's like if you're going to put a flex guy, it's like a guy who's a freak who does like everything for you. Like, I mean, Christian McCaffrey's got to like got to be better than Sproles. Like when you're talking about best seasons already. Or like Jamal yeah. Charles, was he on there? No, LaShawn McCoy was on there for some reason. I don't Jamal understand Charles that. should have been on there. And uh, I have a couple more gripes. One, Aaron Rodgers should not be there. Drew Brees should be there. Or he Peyton has Manning. Been the most... No, but when did Peyton Manning retire? Like three years ago? No, uh, well, but he still Peyton had Manning his, won uh... a Super Bowl this decade through nearly 200 touchdown passes this decade. Um... That, like that's the problem with these lists is that's like fair. you have to be, you have to be good from 2013 to 2018. Like that's when you have to be good because you can't be so far back that people are like, well, he's retired for three or four years. He didn't have a good decade, and it can't be so recent that you're like, well, you know, he just started. It's not fair to say like 
you have to be good in that middle five window. Yeah. And then even if you trail off now, people will be like, oh, remember how good he was before he got paid by the Redskins or something like, you know, like those guys who go and disappear in these other free agent wastelands. Like that that's the kind of career that really shines in this era. Like J.J. Watt, like, you know, he's missed what, like basically two full seasons in the last three years. And he's been good when he's been on the field. Like, I'm not I'm not saying that. And that he definitely deserves to be on this list. He was a unanimous choice. But it's like if if that had happened, if he'd had his season two or three years earlier and let's say he never recovers to be with the point, you know, where he was when he was dominant, it would be hard to remember him because he would basically well, have that. You know, Peyton Manning season. I don't know, man. J.J. Uh, Watt has only played in this decade, and he's a, already a first ballot Hall of Famer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, but yeah. like, I, I'm saying if he, it doesn't matter. I, like, I shouldn't have picked J.J. Watt because it sounds too close to home because he's a Texans player. What, what I'm saying is, is if you could have picked Donald, who's only been in the league for four years, five years. Yeah, like if you're, if although you're looking, he's like, he should be there. Yeah, like, is he not on the list? Surely he's he on the is, list. He is, he Okay, is. yeah, yeah. So, like, I don't pay attention to most of these because a lot of times it's, Patrick you know, Willis being on there is very weird to me. Because he Patrick only played Willis until over there? 20... Yeah, he played until, like, 2015. Who's right? the Keekly's on there, right? Yeah, For sure. On. He has to be unanimous. Like, he's the best. Like, is Ray Lewis on there? Probably, because they love no, Ray Lewis. No, he's not. <laughs> who played Thank two you. years okay. in this decade. That One of them injury-riddled. Who would not... <laughs> he would be a backup rotational player, but that's the only another. other thing that bothered me about this was they listed the tackles and they only put left tackles. Sure, because they don't know any different. They, they're know. very bad. But that's what, did you want like Jack you Conklin to like be all decade? Uh, yes. No, that would obviously go to Mitchell Schwartz. <laughs> Have you not seen <laughs> his brother? Big <laughs> country. <laughs> I mean, mm. I, I mean, it would go to Lane Johnson probably. Just if we're just trying to fix this wrong but yeah like that's something that you know this is i guess a second stop the nonsense for me like off of yours but like start start talking about positions correctly like slot corners should be slot corners they shouldn't just be quote-unquote corners yeah like edges should be edges you, you shouldn't have linebackers yeah. and defensive ends that's that exactly you, what they have on their website they I, have Chandler on, with bobby yeah. wagner yeah of course they do two different positions two different responsibilities just absolute nonsense. And then you've got, you know, you've got guys like Edelman or uh, Welker or, you know, all these slot receivers. Like, they're never going to have a chance against guys like, you know, Odell and Antonio Brown and Julio, Mike Evans for these, like, career awards or whatever. Like, give them a chance to be the best at what they're asked to do and then reward them for that. Uh, it, it seems ridiculous to me that in 2020 we haven't figured that out yet. Let's close with this question. Which Titans, because no Titans were on this list, of course, because the Titans had were very bad for a majority of this decade. Which player do you think like was the closest? Kern. Casey? Hey. Uh, oh, I was yeah, going to say Casey let's, instead of Sue. Uh, when did Baronis uh, stop playing for the Titans? Oh, a while ago, like 2013. He wouldn't ever make Because, I mean, but he should, like, his peak was as good as anybody's peak. So, like, I'm trying to think of, like, guys who, in this era, who've been good enough. Um, I think Kern and Casey are the only ones. 
I don't think Casey, because the one thing he's notable for is his sacks, and like he like when you put him next to Donald, it's just like blown oh, away. And, like, Chris Jones and an All Pro, maybe a Rackpo. No, thought, he was always injured. Um, I mean, you think about Byard should be on there because he's been the best safety over the last three years in the NFL. Like that, he he deserves that credit. But it is is it too short? Maybe um, maybe Wizenhunt Delaney, Delaney Walker. <laughs> yeah, Wizenhunt is head coach. Yeah, well, uh, Delaney not on there. Yeah, Delaney could be on there. Chris Johnson's peak yards came before this decade. Chris Johnson was not good this decade. No, that's what I'm saying. Like his peak was before. He's one of those guys who ended up at the end of a decade and not in the middle of it. Yeah, I'm trying to think who I'm else has been. That's Kelsey. Kelsey's got to beat man. Well, he does. He does now, but he didn't for the first you know three or four years or whatever right. when Walker was healthy. Man, I just I don't know who anybody other than Kern who's been like routinely this guy should yeah. be in a Pro Bowl. Taylor like Lewandowski, I said, like, Wisenhunt is coach, and maybe maybe Darius Raynaud as returner, but that's Taylor, that's all. I, think I mean, Taylor Lewan, like <laughs> Taylor Lewan over his career has been better than uh, Tyron Smith over the same time span. Uh, now, I mean, it, sorry, Taylor's it's not a debate. It's, it's that's just what it is. Like. So is Tyron Smith. It's just nobody talks about it because nobody watches offensive tackles. Like Tyron Smith is the post. How is Whitworth not on there? But I mean, yeah, Whitworth should be on there too. Like that—that's that's really weird. But like being popped for PEDs doesn't mean you're not good at your job. I mean, like Patrick Peterson was popped for PEDs. Is he on the list? No. Yes, he is. Oh, sorry. Yeah, of course hey. he is. Yeah, of course he. I didn't even Patrick look. Patrick Peterson's a Hall of Famer. Yeah, so is Taylor One when it'll be done. But that's a conversation for six years from now when he's had his sixth Pro Bowl. All right, we're gonna wrap it up now. It's it's uh, it's been fun. We've had a good episode. Come back next week for more draft talk with Justin Mello of the Draft Wire, one of our favorite parts of the year. Um, so yeah, we'll see everybody next week. From Matthias and Will, I'm Luke. Please stop the nonsense. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.